Welcome, friends, to Crazy Women Country, where women's voices matter. We bring you the greatest female voices in the music industry, from the artists, songwriters, and producers, to managers and executives, and all the women who make the music industry what it is today. Thank you for joining us. friends another episode of crazy women country i'm donna and today i'm here with sarah king and usually tigger too hot tigger says hi already again <laughs> hi hey y'all oh there she is how are you doing i'm doing well <laughs> i do not currently have a cat in my lap but it's totally cool that you do <laughs> yeah would you, would you like some cat hugs i will share that would be great yes thank you okay. <laughs> so we like to start off with the hardest question of all Ooh. Who is Sarah King? <laughs> oh, man. Um, my bio says that Sarah King um, embodies the dark side of Americana when the twist of a knife helps get you through whatever you're going through and all that stuff, um, which I definitely think is is accurate. But I also think um, there was someone else who, who talked about that I embrace the dark side with a lot of glee. And so I think that I'm a little bit of the darkness and the light. Um, There can be no darkness without light and vice versa. And so I feel like I embody a little bit of both. You know, I don't want to hang out too long in the the dark doldrums. It's important to get out and have a good time too. So Sarah King is darkness and light in one little package, usually wearing a cowboy hat, but uh, not wearing it in my studio. (laughs) (laughs) So, oh, I love yeah. that. Yes. <laughs> Darkness and light with a cowboy hat. Yes. <laughs> I should probably update my Instagram bio now. Yeah. <laughs> but I think my actual Instagram bios and all that stuff say that I'm a dirt, a plant-based dirt bag cowboy. So that, you know, that does the trick too. Whichever one. <laughs> Absolutely. They're all great. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so we're talking. <laughs> the day, right? <laughs> Today I'm this, tomorrow I'm this. Yeah, we can we can choose exactly what each day, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Exactly. But there's cool. there's no holds to what you have to be forever. And and that that I think is huge. I mean, you know, that going on like crazy tangents and stuff. I think that's huge about being an artist. You know, every day like we're inspired by something different and we're feeling different vibes. And you know, I think obviously live shows feel like a thing of the distant past right now. But that's what I try to bring to live shows. I don't want every show to be the same. So. Exactly. And, you know, because a lot of times when you have your followers and your fans and stuff that come to every show, they're like, you know, everything they love when it's different. And I, I can test yes. to being someone who's come to gone to certain shows of certain people when it's the same yep. over and over. You're like, OK, I'm there. I'm enjoying it. But right. when there's something different, you're like, oh, that caught my attention. You're just like real right back into it even more. Exactly. Yeah. You're just like you remember what brought you there in the first place. And I think that's important. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. So we were talking earlier about your latest release, your album, The Hour. Yes. So I'm going to ask the first question. What was your favorite song off there? And I know they're all your children. They're all your babies. I, I get that. <laughs> I totally understand that. So yes. is there one that's like more of your like, like, I couldn't have had this record without the song whatsoever. 
I mean, that kind of ties into the like defining yourself as an artist. Like my favorite song changes like every week. Um, the one that I go back to over and over um, is Not Worth the Whiskey. I feel like that is the song. So the, the EP is five songs, Not Worth the Whiskey is song three. So it's kind of in the middle. It's like the big high point of the EP and kind of kind of gets its way up there and then makes its way back out. Um, it's definitely like the most out of all of the songs, like the most like swagger, stomp and holler, like in your face kind of, you know, blues rock song. And, and I love that, you know, that part of that attitude and stuff is, is very pervasive in my music and my writing and my performing. And so um, I just love bringing that type of energy to the stage um, and to the studio. But that last part that you said, there wouldn't have been an album without it. Um, there are two other songs that stand out to me as well. Um, the song Nightstand, the second track, is actually the first one that we recorded. And if that recording hadn't gone so well, there wouldn't have been an EP. So if I hadn't written that one, and that's a very dark song, right? But if I hadn't written that one and come out with that one first, we wouldn't have made our way to the rest of them. Um, and then Poison, the very first song, is actually um, the second song that I brought back after Nightstand. And... You know, I mean, without, again, tangents, I could go on all day. But um, so I went back to the studio after a few months to finish the EP. And they had heard, the producers had heard a couple of the songs, but Poison was brand new. I had recently written it. And, you know, we're just kind of messing around in the studio in the morning before we, like, get going. And I was like, oh, guys, I, like, write this song on the piano. Do y'all want to hear it? And it's, like, 9 a.m. on a Monday. And, I mean, I'm a musician, right? Like, I don't do 9 a.m.s. I don't do Mondays. <laughs> like, and, and I sit down and I play Poison. And, like, that set the tone for the whole week. And they were like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like, this song, this song. And so it's almost like those three songs together, like, without them, there wouldn't have been an EP. And the other two songs I'm sure we'll talk about later. But, um, yeah, those, like, what made the EP, how did it get here, and all of that long-winded answer <laughs> each day it changes but yeah um they each have a story and a purpose as to why what brought them there and why they're on the ep so yeah well let's dive into that story a little bit so tell me because when i first listened to nightstand today i was and, and i listened to music off and on but I, i'll re-listen yep. to it the day that i'm interviewing someone yep. and i was listening today again and i kept getting drawn back to like this like i kept thinking there's a couple of lisa carver tunes that are a little bit more on that dark side and i'm like yep. This just, I just kept feeling like, I'm like, you two should have collaborated on this. I don't know if you didn't, you know, like, that would be a great, I could just see that going, you know, that'd be awesome. But, um, so tell us, tell us, tell us the writing, the thoughts behind Nightstand, yeah. how it came about. Totally. Um, Nightstand, so I, this is one of my favorite stories to talk about, like, the writing process. Um, so I love Dolly Parton, and, you know, one of, one of the classic, like, country tunes that she covered and everyone else has covered, the Mule Skinner Blues, right? So you listen to the lyrics of Mule Skinner Blues, and then it's always played against this very major key, very upbeat, like, guitar part. And one day I was, like, messing around um, with that song, and I was like, I just don't like these chords and this musical arrangement for these words like this song is like someone's trying to call her pay and trying to tell her what to do and all this stuff like she needs something darker with that so me like the queen of the minor key right i come in and so i start like throwing some minor keys and stuff in there and i'm like all right all right this sounds cool and then i was like wait 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 i have some songs that fit this a little bit better like some words that fit this better and so then i it just started like it just flowed out of me like nightstand like all this stuff you know similar feelings of like like you know you're not controlling me and all that stuff and um 
the story itself behind Nightstand is unfortunately like a bit of a heavy topic um, without getting too far in because I don't want to like drag people down. But, you know, it's all part of the art. Um, there have been different times in my life where I have been more um, afraid for my personal safety as a woman in the music industry, shall we say. And so that kind of really came out in the song because I was, you know, again, thinking about the Mule Skinner Blues and all that stuff. I'm like, when have there been times when I've had to really stand up for myself? Um, there was indeed a time when I kept a gun in my nightstand. And so that lyric, <laughs> I always tell people like everything in the song is real except what's not. But that that was a true period of time in my life. I'm still here today, so everything is okay. We all know that. <laughs> um, but so that all kind of, you know, just like manifested itself in the in the song. Um, and just the, the lyrics went like they came from a place of like fear, you know, place of like, how do I need to stand up for myself? And then went to a place of like, you know, yeah, we've all got the darkness. Yeah, all this stuff. But like, I'm in charge and I'm in control of my fate and I can take care of myself. Um, like falling down the stairs as a baby, my dad catching me, that's real. I was really born with a cord wrapped around my neck. Like all of those things actually happened. Like it's almost like the song was looking back at all the things that had tried to kill me <laughs> and being like, I'm still here. <laughs> and so, so in the end, it's a song of strength, despite all of these things, just like getting in my way, get like literally getting in the way of me living. <laughs> and so, so yeah, it was, um, yeah, just a song that like, it worked through a lot of things in three and a half minutes. It was, it was a really interesting song to write for me, I think is one of the darkest songs I'd ever written. Um, most personal and darkest, but really like opened up being able to write more like that so yeah that's wonderful because yeah that, that that totally drew me the dark part drew me in. and then I could yep as I was listening I'm like and then you just came back around to the strength of it and I was just like yep it's just yep. yeah <laughs> that was the part that caught me because it caught me I'm like okay this is kind of dark well it's good yep <laughs> but so yeah we all yeah, we love that it's a great story. That's the point of it. It just brings out yeah. a whole story in one, which is, you know, sometimes not every song does that, but that one just fully encompasses. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Cool. So tell us who are some of the women that have inspired you to do music? Excellent question. Excellent question. Um, and I think that that's super important because so many of my influences are men just because of the genres that I'm in. Um, playing blues rock, playing country, playing folk music, like rock music, like there are a lot of men that I look up to. And I think that it's really important to champion the women as well who have really shaped my career. Um, funny you asked that because today I was even like writing about that a little bit. Um, so a couple influences you won't hear, but were very strong um, influences on, on younger me in my younger days. Um, Sarah McLaughlin was just a huge early influence. Again, with the storytelling, I love the way that she tells stories. She's also a phenomenal songwriter. Her voice is just like, it's so chill. Like she's just like, she can sing whatever and it's just effortless, you know, and just um, a lot of her earlier stuff is very dark as well. Um, like I went through a phase where I like got all her old albums and I was like, oh my God, right? But uh, that's not what they put on the radio, but it's it's important to get those stories out. So she was an early influence. Um, another one you're not gonna hear really is Christina Aguilera. <laughs> um, just her vocals, her vocals are so big and so powerful. And that was just huge to me as a kid. Like hearing somebody sing like that was just like, oh my goodness, like I, 
I want to sing like that, right? Like, I don't want to sing that music, but I want to be able to sing like that, control my voice like that. So um, those are two early influences. Um, I think I literally have a note in here so that I don't forget, which is funny. So you know that I've been asked this question before. <laughs> Let me see who else I have that's here okay. so I don't forget. But yeah, you remember Christina Aguilera from the Mickey Mouse Club. I actually never, like, I did watch the show, but I don't remember her from being in Mickey Mouse Club until, like, later interviews, and then we would, like, go back and watch, and I was like, oh, yeah, like, that's, like, how do you, you know, she's, like, this big, right, yeah. and her voice just, even then, yeah. like, so phenomenal. Okay, so here's, here's my list. Um, so Sarah McLaughlin and Christina Aguilera, and then two um, two others, obviously Dolly Parton, phenomenal songwriter, um, phenomenal performer on all levels, and her vocal quality is so unique. Um, in my younger days, I did not appreciate her vocal delivery as much because, again, like I was into that like really big, you know, Christina Aguilera vocal delivery, but. Um, yeah, Dolly Parton is, is just, I mean, oh, queen of everything. Um, more contemporary um, influences or, or women that I look up to, um, Adele, absolutely. Like, she's, you know, kind of like, I feel like her delivery, vocal delivery is more on par with Christina Aguilera, but her songwriting kind of fits more with just that deep emotional narrative writing style, more like um, Dolly Parton and stuff. Um, and she just... Yeah, I'm like, anytime I listen to Adele, it's like the goosebumps go up. I'm like, well, there we are. <laughs> um, and then last but not least, just the host of women, um, country artists in the 90s, Faith Hill, Martina McBride, Reba McIntyre, all those really big voices that, like, I just heard on the radio left and right and sang along with and never, like, thought much of. But in my, like, then I listen to myself sing, and I'm like, I've got all this, infle like, very Reba-like inflection that I never tried to do on purpose, but because I grew up listening to that, I'm like, yep. <laughs> definitely an inspiration, definitely an influence. So, yeah. Well, I was, when I was listening to you again today, I uh, was listening and I got, I'm glad you mentioned Sarah McLaughlin too. I got taken yeah. back to Lilith Fair. Yes. And of course, I think this was the second year. And I remember Lori McKenna came out with uh, yes. paper, paper Wings and Halos. And I uh -huh. was just like, her vocals then, they were so, they weren't as smooth. And it was just like that, there was that, and there's new one, one song, I don't remember which song of yours I was listening to, I was like, that reminded me of that. I just flashed right back to that today. Yes. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. So. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, Laura McKenna's phenomenal too. I've got, like, she was someone that, yeah, like, I didn't really, like, get into, like, later or, like, earlier. But, like, yeah, in recent years, I'm like, oh, wow, like, I missed out by not being, yeah, by being like, yeah, so far down the Sarah McLaughlin rabbit hole that I like wasn't listening to anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, you, you can always catch up. There's always catch up to that. There's always, nothing wrong with it. Always. Nope. <laughs> so would you like to uh, indulge in some of our crazy questions now? Yes. Oh, my goodness. I can't. I should have put some whiskey up here. I didn't. But well, it's OK. There's probably enough in my brain. So <laughs> It's all good. There's, there's no right answer. Well, there, there might be one that has a right or wrong answer, but you know, that, that's more of a definitive. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's do it. What was the last thing you read? Um, I am currently reading a book called At Home in Nature, which is um, a very academic study of homesteading in, um, in the U.S. And uh, I worked at a college bookstore and happened to get a whole bunch of books for free, like when they were discarded. So it's my bedtime reading because it puts me to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell the author I said that. She's I, I actually know the author, um, but it's good reading for bedtime. Before that, though, I read, do I even have it here? I do have it here. Um, 
I love Edgar Allan Poe. So I read the the portable Edgar Allan Poe, this gigantic chonker of Edgar Allan Poe. Um, many of the stories I, I already you know had read elsewhere, but it was awfully nice to revisit him during these dark winter months. Probably terrible for my mental health, but I love reading. I read every day. So, yeah. Okay to go there. Yes. You have the line too, right? <laughs> Exactly. I have to go there. Have to go there because then, yeah. I mean, like, I could, I could give you an entire interview on Edgar Allan Poe. Man is a genius. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. So hypothetically, if I yes. came to you and said I need to hide a dead body, do you know a good place? Uh, the original video for Nightstand was literally me on my front porch. So I live, I live in rural Vermont. I live on 15 wooded acres where no, I can't even see the neighbors or anything. And the original video for Nightstand, when it was just a little acoustic song, was me on my front porch with a shovel and mud boots. So you're asking the right person. <laughs> There's also, you know, I've got like a little garden and stuff, and I'm always like, oh, like. Make sure that if you need to hide a body, that you um, that you plant it, plant endangered plants over the top, so it's illegal to dig it up. So I would say a good place to hide a body somewhere here in my 15 acres, and we'll come up with an endangered species plant to plant on top, so that nobody can ever dig up that spot. So I am your woman if you need to do that. <laughs> I'll definitely be calling you if I ever do that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the best concert you've ever been to? Oh, best concert I've ever been to. Um, the first one that comes to mind, which, you know, you should probably like go with your gut instinct and all that stuff. Um, there is a, a guy called Greg Dilley, who's in like a million different bands. The most common one that most people know is the Afghan Wigs, um, which is like a late nine or early 90s band, I think. And then they took a 20 year hiatus, but he's been in a bunch of different stuff. Um, but one of his side projects off of that band, I saw at the Beacon Theater in New York City with Charles Bradley opening. And that was just like, it was a really tough time in my life, like emotionally, um, you know, one of my friends had just died and like struggling at work and like all this stuff. And then I went to that show and it was like, I was able to leave all of that stuff behind and just like get into the feeling of being there. I mean, like Charles Bradley, I don't know if you know much about him, but he started out um, as like a James Brown impersonator and he was like 80 years old and like up there in his spandex and sequins doing splits on stage and stuff like really brought the the energy in there. And then Greg came out with his band and, and they had a new record and it was like in my bones, in in the molecules of my body, what I needed that night was what was there um in that venue and so you know was it the best show i've ever been to like i don't know but like from an emotional and feeling standpoint that delivered what i needed it was the medicine that my body was calling for so yeah that's beautiful i love that that yeah you can't be that when you go and you just feel totally immersed in it that's yep that's the best yep agree so what's the first thing you would do if you won the lottery Huh, first thing I would do if I won the lottery. Um, hmm. I mean, practically speaking, probably pay off the mortgage. <laughs> but I would probably have the have a lot of the money earmarked right away. Um, I often like to play the millionaire game with myself. Like if I had a million dollars, what would be my priorities? What would I be doing right now? Um, 
and I definitely want to record my next record and I want to um, promote it and publicize it really well. So I would probably be looking for like the best publicists, marketing agencies, branding and all that stuff and the best studio. And I'd probably be out of money within three months. <laughs> but, but everybody would know my name at the end of those three months and that's all that matters. So, yeah. Well, that's perfect. I love that. Yes. So tell us something that is on your bucket list. Something that is on my bucket list. Um, man, I used to, I literally, I kept a, a note um, that said like 50 things to do before I die. And I kept that thing and updated it all the time and used to always look at it. And then in the last few years, I haven't really looked at it too much. Um, but what is something, I mean, like by far, and this, this is so like, this is so very Sarah King, like, before I die, you know, whether I get hit by a bus next week or whatever, <laughs> hopefully not because I wouldn't have a chance to do it. I want to go to Africa and do a horseback riding safari. Um, I love riding horses. I love being out in nature. I've never been to Africa. I would love to see everything out there. Um, so that would probably be like the third thing on my on my lottery list because those are expensive. So I would like <laughs> pay out the house, record my record, and then go to Africa on my bucket list trip. Um, but it's just amazing to see like these videos of like when you're um, when you do the horseback riding safari, you can get so much closer to the animals because the um, like you're you're not in an SUV that scares them. So you can literally just like run along the fields with the giraffes and like hang out with the zebras and stuff. And I'm like that is amazing. So that is what I would like. That would probably be my, like my number one bucket list item. That's like actually like a bucket list item. I think. That's really cool. Good question. <laughs> I would have never thought that would, that would have been on the bucket list. That was just a really cool idea though. In general. Isn't it? Everybody yeah. I tell to is like, I want to do that too. Oh, and I'm like, no. not without me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So if I ever do it, I promise I will take you. Yes. Thank you. I will make it happen. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> what job would you be terrible at? Oh, that's actually really funny. Um, my, so I'm vegetarian and my very first job was a waitress at a steakhouse. Um, and I'm very good at, you know, talking to people and stuff like that, but people would be like, well, it's good to eat here. And I'd be like, mashed potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I'd probably be pretty bad working at a um, at a at a steakhouse or something else similar. Again, um, I I also I don't really like like I actually I did have a job um, that was not like it was at an engineering firm like you know looking like fill in wetlands and stuff like that and like that just sucked the soul out of me. So anything that like destroys the environment and just like really especially if I have to sit in a cubicle. And talk about destroying the environment like that just destroys my soul like I can't you know yes I'm a very organized person yes I know how to use a computer but I'd rather not use it to destroy the planet so um I would probably intentionally start to do like really you know like bad things in the office just to like mess things up and make them fire me <laughs> so something like that if I ever get a job like that again nope nope that's great yeah. at least I know where there's good mashed potatoes yes <laughs> <laughs> oh what's your game plan for zombie apocalypse game plan for zombie apocalypse um well like i said you know i live in 15 acres in vermont so you can't see the neighbors or anything so the first thing would probably be like barricading this space and making sure that like nobody can get in um 
we would have a little bit of work to do because we like where I live it's you know it's cold and the ground is very rocky so we'd have to like figure out how to like grow our own food and stuff like that but um and I'd have to like go steal some neighbors like from or some some neighbors horses um because then I'd have transportation and I could feed myself we've got water here on the property um we've got defense we've got all that so I think yeah it would just be like fortifying everything here to make sure that nobody could get in um if I were on tour and a zombie apocalypse happened I think the plane would just be like drive real fast and get home I love it. Just turn them yep. over. Keep going. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Pee into your Gatorade cup and we are not stopping. <laughs> oh. Oh. So, tell us, what album or artist should we listen to before we die? Ooh. Um, hmm. Again, I was kind of writing about that a little bit today. Um and it kind of goes back to that that one concert that was like the best concert. Um, there's a song by the Twilight Singers called Martin Eden. And it is one of the like darkest, most depressing songs. But that song like hit me at a time when I really needed it. And I feel like everybody should have a time, you know, if you're having a rough day, like turn out the lights and stop doing what you're doing and put that song on and just let its melody wash over you. It might not do anything to you, <laughs> but it does to me even, it's been almost 15 years, I think, since I heard it for the first time, and it still always hits me the same way. Um, so I would recommend that particular song. You know, that album as a whole is really good, but that particular song, um, I think that everybody should listen to. If it doesn't move you, that's cool, but if it does, we should probably be friends. So. <laughs> gonna have a how to be your friend list soon huh yes <laughs> what things to call me for things to take me on <laughs> yeah so so who would play you in a movie about your life Ooh. hmm who would play me in a movie about my life um well i'm obsessed with a walk the line the move the johnny cash movie so i'd love to be like oh reese witherspoon should totally play me but i know that's actually not really like a good fit <laughs> um hmm i mean once my grandma told me that rachel mcadams like reminded her of me so i think she's a cool actress so if rachel mcadams wanted to play me that would be super cool yeah, yeah we'll <laughs> yes awesome fantastic okay so this is a very serious question now Where's okay. <laughs> Where's Waldo? <laughs> That's the question. He's probably underneath those uh, endangered plants that we talked about a little while back. <laughs> <laughs> so all of you who saw him at the beach, and you're wrong. Yep, <laughs> not at the beach. You didn't see he, that wasn't Waldo. No. <laughs> Oh, now obviously this can be difficult on 15 acres, but would you rather cook or order in? You know, um, food doesn't like, we don't even get food delivery up here. So 100% I would rather order in. Oh my God. If I could like get delivery up here, like not very often, but there are just some nights, like a couple, um, couple nights ago. I mean, it gets dark up here. Like what time is five o'clock now? And like, I'll show you it's, it's getting pretty dark out there. It's getting pretty dark. Um, 
And so, yeah, when it's like five o'clock and dark and 13 degrees, I'm like, it'd be really nice if someone could just like bring me a burrito. <laughs> like, so, yeah, I would, I would absolutely rather order in simply because where I live right now, it is a luxury that does not exist. So it would be like, it's, it's like going to the spa if somebody could just bring me my food. Yeah. yeah. Totally understand. Yes. You sing in the shower. Oh, absolutely. I sing. I was cleaning the shower yesterday and I was singing in there and I was like, is something wrong with me? I'm like, the acoustics are just really good. So yes, I was singing in the shower. <laughs> Boots or heels? I haven't worn heels in years. I am short. I'm like 5'3 on a good day, but I, I am clumsy and, um, and it just like, I don't know. I've got like these wide, like Flintstone feet. And so heels just never felt good. So boots all the way boots. all. I've got like two different pairs of like stage and show boots and stuff out front. And then two different pairs of mud boots downstairs and yeah, boots all day. Yep. The best thing since sliced bread. Hmm. Best thing since sliced bread. Well, since we're talking about bread and so my head is there, I just got a toaster. Like I haven't had a toaster in like five years. I've just been like toasting bread, like in the oven. So actually having a toaster to put my sliced bread in is pretty fantastic. <laughs> I, I can relate. We, we actually went for a little period where we didn't have a toaster. And I'm like, you know what? We, yeah. When was the last time we made toast? Then I'm all of a sudden yeah. we've been making toast for a while. Yeah. And then, yeah. Yeah, it's great. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you have guilty pleasure music? If so, what is it? Oh my goodness. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that kind of ties back to like the Christina Aguilera stuff. Like I don't really listen to a lot of pop music that, you know, like recent pop music, but like I will listen to Adele all day, every day. Like, yeah, Adele, Christina Aguilera, just like those big pop voices. Like, yep. Yep. I have a couple songwriting students right now. And like, you know, they're like, oh, I love like, you know, this person, this person. I'm like, have you heard of Adele? <laughs> so, I don't even know if she's a guilty pleasure at this point. Um, but yeah, I mean, Adele, you know, we have very different musical styles, but I just think she's phenomenal. So, yeah. yeah. What's the worst pizza topping? Well, I'm a vegetarian, so I'd say like sausage and pepperoni and stuff like that. Um, but I will also say like pineapple really like... I know it's a very polarizing topping, but like I can eat it and I still don't really like it. Like it's just like, why? Like, I don't know. It doesn't belong there. A lot of people say mushrooms. I love mushrooms, mushrooms on pizza, but mushrooms and broccoli on my pizza, mushrooms, and broccoli and spinach, but like pineapple. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> that seems to be yeah. the catalyst here is pineapple on pizza. I don't, I don't know what that catalyst is, but yeah, yeah. that's the, uh, yeah, I've, had, I've like, heard it like at least five times in the last two weeks, yep. I think. So, <laughs> well, the club of like the no pineapple on my pizza. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, we're going to start that club. Yes. If you could be any person or position, like a CEO or whatever, what, who or what would you want to be for the day? For the day, not forever, but for the day. For the day. Would they know it's me or would I just like be in somebody else's body? Uh, you could just be in someone else's body. Be in somebody else's body. Or you could just be you and just take that position as you and. 
Because, like, yeah, I would be like, I should be the president for a day. And then I would, like, put up a whole bunch of, like, executive orders and be like, we're going to get this, 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 and this fixed. And then we could go back to all the other crap we're doing. So, like, if I was going to be me and everybody would know it was me and I could take credit for, like, being awesome president for a day. (laughs) I don't want to be president forever, but for a day I could handle that. But if I had to, like, embody bodies, like... Hmm, like, because I don't want somebody else taking credit for all my really good ideas. They'd probably look back and be like, what just happened in that last 24 hours? Don't worry about it. Don't worry. Um, But if I had to be in somebody's body and they didn't know it was me, like, like, it wouldn't be something that I could go home and be like, oh, yeah, I see all that stuff. Like, I did that. Um, What would I be? Hmm. I don't know. I mean, maybe one of the people who runs those African horseback safari things. Like, that'd be a cool thing to just go be and do for, like, a day and not worry about, like, needing to take credit for it. Um, hmm. That was a good question. I'll, I'll, I'll stick with that today. Ask me again tomorrow. I'll have a different answer. <laughs> okay, wonderful. Tomorrow yes. we'll be back with Sarah to find a new answer. Fantastic. <laughs> oh, are you good at keeping secrets? Um, they usually find their way into a song. Um, but like in personal life, yes, absolutely. But like secrets tend to find their way into songs in certain ways. It's like, like I won't write about it overtly, but there'll just be like little hints where like somebody who is party to the secret listens to the song carefully. They'll be like, oh, that's me. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I always keep like, I literally have, um, and so there's an old song that I had where, like, the line is, like, your secrets are safe with me till I find more gunpowder. <laughs> thinking I'm so hardcore, but, like, it's true. Yeah. So, yep. That's a great line. Yeah. I know. I need to resurrect that song. That was a fun song. Yeah. At what age did you become an adult? Who <laughs> boy. Um, I don't think I, like, actually, like, grew up. Until I was, like, my late 20s. I don't I don't think I, like, fully understood a lot of things. You know, like, I was, I've always been, like, very responsible. Like, always had, you know, jobs and made sure my bills are paid and stuff like that. But, like, didn't fully grasp a lot of things until my late 20s. And, um, you know, and that's around about the time when, like, the grandparents are like, we're not going to bail you out anymore. Like, you got to figure this one out on your own. Um so yeah, somewhere like 26 stands out to me as like, like 26 and 29 both stand out to me as like years, years I learned a lot the hard way. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, I think we all feel grown up when we go through that hard time in our yep. lives and yeah. Yep. <laughs> if you could win an Olympic medal for any sport, real or fake, what would it be? real or fake i mean my first instinct is like the whiskey drinking competition but that's not true i'm too small i wouldn't drink anybody (laughs) under the table (laughs) um i mean you know again like back to my love for horseback riding and stuff like it would be amazing to like win um you know not for dressage that's too fancy for me but like the the um the steeplechase where you like jump over objects and stuff like that like i wish that there was like an olympic like trail riding and like you know, just being out in the woods and stuff like that, like that would be a really cool um, sport. Um, When I was younger, when I was a kid, I was obsessed with like the ice skating and the gymnastics and all that stuff. But 
leave that to the young people. I don't think I need to be flipping over upside down and twirling around three times in the air. I'd rather just ride horses everywhere. So <laughs> I agree with that. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm not flipping unless I'm falling down somewhere. So yeah, that's exactly. It. The, yeah, I was um, again like I was cleaning the shower yesterday, and I'm like hanging the shower curtain back, and I'm standing on the side of the tub, right? And I'm like, I look down for a second to see where my feet were, and I'm like, Simone Biles doesn't even look at where her feet are when she's flipping through the air and lands back on that balance beam. I'm like, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> I am way too old for this. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. So those were our fun questions. So tell nice. us, what do you have coming up for the rest of this year? Do you have, and I know different areas still have some COVID restrictions and different crazy things going on, but do you have any tours coming up? Maybe some, some new writing songs? Yeah. I mean, album? yes. Um, so, you know, it's, it's January, January of last year. I had nothing going on. I didn't think anything was going to go on. And then I ended up out on a few different tours and, and it was rad. So, um, I do have a few, um, a few shows that are definitely happening like later in the summer, um, that haven't been announced yet. So those are coming up, um, trying to, you know, fingers crossed, get on some more tours. There will probably be another tour like down South and back around September again, just like there was last year. Cause that was a lot of fun. Um, planning to hopefully record at least one new single some point this spring and start trying to like trickle some stuff out. Um, we we want to get a full length out next year in 2023 so toward the fall and winter of this coming year we'll be recording a lot more um and again trying to like get people's thoughts along the way like which song do you like which song do you want to hear next um i'll be launching a patreon this year the first one to hear this i'm launching a patreon in march so if anybody um really digs what i'm doing and wants to be part of like the algorithm free inner circle that'll be coming up in March. I'm really excited about that. Um, cause algorithms really drive me nuts <laughs> and, and it'll just be cool to like really connect on a deeper level with people and, and make sure that, you know, people are hearing my message and I get to hear back from them. So, um, so tour recording Patreon. And I'm also, I'm, um, hoping to get into like a writing retreat for at least a week or two this year. Um, there's so many different ones I've been applying to just to like get out of my house and go like finish the album somewhere else. Cause it feels like every time I leave the house, which I haven't done a lot of in the last two years, um, <laughs> the songs tend to come out a little bit faster. So, um, something like that I think would be really cool, cool to get a change of pace and, and, um, just some new some new vibes on the music um just from being in, in a different place you know somewhere where i'm not like doing the laundry and doing the dishes all the time so yeah totally understand that yes <laughs> yeah well, we get we get away for uh the summer months usually we go in the rv out west and that's usually yes. when even though i still have to work my day job just still Lots of all good stuff coming up. It's so. so great. Yeah. My, um, you know, this is like not really related to like our conversation or my music or anything, but, um, in 2017, my husband and I, yeah, we just packed up the sedan and lived in the sedan and traveled the country for a year and it was so cool. And yeah, living out West, um, especially like in the Rockies and in the, the Southwest, like Colorado, New Mexico, Utah, it's just that area is so inspirational. So I totally Love get it. it. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And it's definitely like being raised in the Eastern US and even the Northeast. It's definitely a different perspective. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Land is so much bigger out there. Mm -hmm. It's so cool. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad you got to join me today. 
Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad that this worked out and um, your questions are awesome. And I had a lot of fun. <laughs> Great. You're welcome back anytime. Like awesome. We can check again back on that answer. And uh, right. You get to like star the ones that I was like, I'll yeah. tell you something different tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, thank you again for joining us. And thank you friends thank you. for joining us for another episode. Have a great Thank day. You. Bye. <laughs>If you enjoyed today's episode of Crazy Women Country, don't forget to give us a thumbs up. Be sure to click the subscribe button for new interviews weekly. And thank you, friends, for joining us today on Crazy Women Country, where women's voices matter.